God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the, the Bible is a, a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. It's wonderful to hear about the miraculous accounts of people who have heard God's voice. But on the downside, there's plenty of not-so-great stories too. A person hears God speaking about marriage and filters it through their own emotions. God speaks randomly through scripture verses, but it distorts the original meaning of the text. How do we avoid the mistakes and pitfalls of hearing God's voice and instead position ourselves to experience the same kind of miracles we see in the New Testament? Hi, and welcome to episode 49 of the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, speaker, and founder of this ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Today on the show, we have a very special guest for you. Dr. Craig Keener is a professor of New Testament at Asbury Theological Seminary in the US. He's an incredible academic and teacher, and he's known worldwide for his work as a New Testament scholar. In fact, you may have seen his award-winning commentary on the New Testament that has sold over half a million copies. In addition, he's authored another 20 books, including a huge variety of works on hermeneutics, miracles, the historical Jesus, commentaries on Acts, Romans, Corinthians, the Gospel of John, five of which have won awards in Christianity today. It's quite the collection. Craig has also taught in various countries, particularly in Africa, at both pastors and scholarly events, as well as a diverse range of theological institutions. He's not only a careful and brilliant academic, but he lives the talk with many stories of his own to share. I met him and his beautiful, warm wife, Medine, at the Society for Pentecostal Studies annual conference in Tennessee, where we talked about miracles, marriage, and mistakes in hearing God's voice. It's a great privilege to have Professor Craig Keener on the podcast with us today. Welcome to the God Conversations podcast, Craig. It's, it's great to be with you. It's great to have conversations about God. Absolutely. God. We're recording today from the small town of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've been practicing my Tennessee accent. I'm not doing very well, am I, Craig? It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's better than my Australian accent. Yeah, we'll have to keep practicing. <laughs> you just come over the border. We're attending a conversation conference um, this week, an academic conference, and I thought I'd take the opportunity to have a chat with Craig. For those of you who aren't familiar with him, this man is an incredible academic gift to the, the body of Christ, having written so many books, and particularly um, a number of them on the Holy Spirit. So when I was coming to the conference, I thought, I'd really love to talk to this man. He has a lot of understanding theologically, but he also has a lot of experience, I would say, also in hearing from God and observing the work of the Holy Spirit across the world. So thank you for being on the podcast, Craig. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, perhaps sort of the highlights of your Christian journey? Well, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was an atheist, but I started wondering about 
you know, what if there is a God? And I also started thinking about, you know, there was really no hope in life if there wasn't a God. And one day some people shared Christ with me. I argued with them for 45 minutes. And, I can't imagine that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and, you know, toward the end, you know, they showed me from the Bible how to be saved and, you know, believe Jesus died and, and rose again for you. And, and I said, look, you guys, I don't believe in the Bible. I'm an atheist. So you're going to have to give me something else. They couldn't give me anything else. So yeah. I said, if there's a God, where do the dinosaur bones come from? You know, you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. They said the devil put them there. So, you know, they weren't trained in apologetics. They certainly were not trained in paleontology. But they, they did give me what the Bible said about how to be saved. I walked home so convicted by the Holy Spirit that when I got to my bedroom, uh, I went back and forth for a few minutes, but finally I just, I gave up because I was so overwhelmed. The presence of God was there in the room with me. I had wanted some sort of empirical evidence, but the evidence that God gave me was the evidence of his presence. And so I became a Christian that afternoon. I, I said, God, I, I don't understand how Jesus dying for me and rising from the dead can save me, but if that's what you say, I'll believe it. Mm. But God, I don't know how to be saved, so if you want to save me, you're going to have to do it yourself. And I felt something rushing through my body like I'd never felt before. I know this isn't like, I mean, everybody has a different experience, so I'm not saying this is the pattern for anybody, but um, that was the beginning of my Christian life. And then two days later, I walked into a church, and I wasn't sure if I had done it right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so the pastor prayed with me to give my life to Christ. It was basically what happened two days before, but two days earlier, I jumped up real fast when I felt that I didn't know what it was. I felt the same thing this time and realized that God was so awesome that there was no way I could praise him enough, give him the, the honor that he was due, unless he himself gave me the words to do it. And God knows lots of languages. It started yeah. coming out in another language. I'd yeah. never heard of that before, but it was Wow, it was so wonderful. a real supernatural experience, particularly coming from being an atheist. Yeah. Like it has to, yeah. <laughs> miraculous work of God to just change yeah. that. That's not incredible story. Of course, there was a lot of work still to do on yeah. me. I still was a mess in a lot of ways. But So you went on and you finished your college, you went on to Bible college and yes. you studied master's degrees, PhD, and now yes. you are a professor yes. at Asbury Seminary, is that right? Uh -huh. And whereabouts is that? That's in Wilmore, Kentucky. Okay. Um, it was a little bit of culture shock. I had been teaching in Philadelphia 15 years before that, and Philadelphia is much larger, and then Wilmore is very small. <laughs> and the home of the great KFC, Kentucky. Isn't that right? Kentucky Fried Chicken? Uh, we don't we don't have one in Wilmore. Oh, no. <laughs> Wilmore's oh, too small. no, are you kidding Wilmore's me? Wilmore's smaller than that. <laughs> I've just come from Dallas, Texas, and I had chicken fried chicken. Mind <laughs> you, there was everything was fried <laughs> in Dallas. They had fried pickles. Oh, I kid you not, no. It's like heart attack on a plate. But I had to have some. <laughs> but... Um, so you've obviously experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in your life in a really profound way, Craig. Maybe could you tell us about a significant time when you've heard God speaking to you? I, I probably can start with the first time. I mean, there were times before when I would, I thought Phil led to witness to somebody and I would and they would mm -hmm. become a believer. Sometimes it was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it was 
indigestion. You know, I wasn't always sure what was, <laughs> what was the Lord's leading or not, but I hadn't really heard his voice, so to speak. I heard people talk about knowing God, but I didn't know they meant it literally. Yeah. And then one day I just had such a longing and I felt God just spark faith in my heart that he would give me what I asked him. And I asked him what I knew he knew that I wanted most of all. God, please open my ears to hear your voice. I didn't know that anybody had done that since the first century, you know. I, yeah. you know but I was, I was reading numbers, and the one thing I was getting out of it was the Lord spoke to Moses, and it's like, God, I wish I could, I could hear you. And he opened my ears to hear him. And the... So what did he say? I, I had never heard love like that before. Right. I mean, I expected him, you know, if I heard him, he was going to say, Keener, it's about time you showed up. And instead it was more like my child. I've been waiting so long to tell you how much I love you. You have been doing all these religious things for me. But most of all, I wanted you to know how precious you are to me, that I love you. Mm. And, and he began to talk to me about his love for his people and how much he wanted us to, to know his heart for, for us. And, um, and when you fall in love, well, at least, you know, I was still pretty young. It was my first time being in love and it was kind of mushy. Uh, I said, uh, this, was, this was a few times later, but God, how much do you love me? He said, my son, look at the cross. Look at the nails in Jesus' hands. Look at the nail in his feet and the spear in his side, the thorns in his brow. See the blood. My child, that's how much I love you. He's so wonderful. Mm. I, I think there's no way somebody could really get to know what he's like and not fall madly in love with him. Yeah, yeah. One of the cornerstones, really. If you, if you want to mm. hear God say anything at all, that's probably the most important thing to hear, I'd mm. say. And, and I think, too, to we, we hear it through our minds, but to really hear it, that mm. impacts our hearts. And obviously mm. that was what that experience did for you. Yeah. I love that. I, I love, you know, um, in John 14 it talks about that one of the things the Holy Spirit would do would remind us mm. of the things that Jesus taught mm -hmm. when he walked the earth. And I think mm -hmm. that's a... A classic example of that. Mm -hmm. There's another um, angle, I think, to hearing God's voice as well, perhaps more particular to our circumstances. And I know you and your lovely wife, Medine, who's sitting here with us with a big smile on her face. Mm -hmm. um, I know you have a little bit of a story. It's, it's detailed in your book, Impossible Love, but mm -hmm. it did involve God talking. Can you give no us a little bit of a synopsis of what actually happened there? How did God speak to you about your lovely wife? Or... <laughs> oh, boy, that's a, it's a long story. Um, there, there are a lot of things. Over the years, I would pray for my future wife, and there would be things he would share with me, like about her heart, mm -hmm. how humble she was or, or whatever. Um, but I hadn't put it together with the person, you know, because... 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, we know in part, we prophesy in part. We've yes. only got a piece of the picture. John the Baptist had a piece of the picture and he didn't realize, you know, it's like, Jesus, are you the one to come? Or mm. Because he knew that the coming one was going to baptize in fire. He didn't see any fire. Yeah. He just saw Jesus healing some people. How does this fit? And so Jesus had to send back a message that explained it in a way that John could understand. So in the case of... Um, Medine and me, there, there were things that the Lord said, and, and 
in a later, I could, I could see how it fit, but at the time, I didn't. Now, Medina thought God had shown her that I was her future husband, but then, you know, I didn't get that. Yeah, you were a bit slow <laughs> on the memo. Yeah. Because you met at university, is that right? Yes. Initially? Yes. Um, yeah, we were both working on our doctorates. Right. And, and we were um, in, in touch with each other for about uh, eight months before she went back to, to France. She's from Congo. She went back to France to finish her PhD. She was an exchange student in the U.S. And I, I knew she was fired up for God because I'd witnessed to somebody on campus and they'd say, yeah, Medine Musunga told me the same thing. But we kept in touch. We were friends. And anyway, to make a long story short, uh, uh, like 11 years later or so, it was 15, yeah, 11 years or so later. Uh, 11 years. Yeah. Maybe. 11 years. Don't roll your eyes, Medine. Did you wait that long for him? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> but that's another story. Okay. She, um, she finally told me that she still felt like it was God's will. And so I said, okay, well, this time we'll pray until we hear, hear the same thing. And the next day I heard. <laughs> so um, we, we finally got together. But uh, it's interesting. There were three, over the years, there were three different people in Congo who prophesied to her independently. They didn't know each other, that she was going to marry a white man with a big ministry. Right. And when she and I got engaged but hadn't told anybody yet, uh, somebody at my seminary where I was teaching came up to me and said, you, uh, you, you found the woman that you're going to marry now, and don't worry about being from different cultures or different continents. The Lord will take care of that. Oh. Wow. God confirmed it in the presence of many witnesses. It, it's so interesting to me because I've just completed all my interviews for my PhD studies and a number of people have heard from God about their marriage partners. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time there was three or four who thought they'd heard from God but what they'd actually heard was what they wanted to hear. Oh, that happens all the yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What does God sound like? How do I know it's Him? They're the questions I asked myself at 21. I'd read stories of God speaking throughout the Bible, but I'd never heard His voice for myself. So I decided to try it out. Speak, Lord, and if you make it really clear, I'll do whatever you say. My new book, God Conversations, is all about what happened when I heard God's voice. It won't tell you how to hear it as much as it will show you. As Jesus promised, we can all recognise His voice and know it enough to follow. Buy it now at godconversations.com. Uh, on the back of that, Craig, you've done a lot of writing on the Holy Spirit and you've got, you know, you talk about this area in a number of your books. What do you think is the biggest challenge for Christians who are trying to hear God's voice today? Well, it depends on if they are cessationists, of course, they may have certain limitations that they've imposed on God speaking, or the, they may assume certain limitations. So cessationists are... Uh, people who, who believe that um, God has ceased to doing certain things. For people who believe that God still does the things that he did in the Bible, um, we can expect him to speak, but sometimes we don't expect him to speak to us. And we don't recognize that the, you know, once we've accepted Christ, we're in His presence. So 
it's not like we have to work something up. God is, is mm -hmm. just free to speak mm -hmm. to us because we're, we belong mm -hmm. to him. And I think another problem is the, uh, the issue of subjectivity. How do we know it's God? And sometimes that comes by experience where I guess sometimes some things we learn from trial and error. You may be able to give better uh, insights on that. But uh, we, we need to know how to test and, and recognize what's God. I found that in, in many things, the Lord speaking, it, it comes so precisely. But then there are things where my emotions are involved. And mm -hmm. like hearing with regard to a spouse was one of the things where I couldn't trust myself because, uh, you know, I would think, yeah, there were a lot of people I thought, well, that could be. And, and there were actually like in the year or two before Medina and I got together with like six people who told me they thought I was their future husband. So Six? Uh, six. Oh, my God. <laughs> so oh, uh, it was, I was getting kind of desperate at that point. Lord, oh. I either need to get a fake wedding ring. You're like ring, the bachelor. Everyone was fine. Or, or, or I need to meet <laughs> the one who's really my future wife. You know, but when, when we both hear, that's a, that's a good... Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good agreement, isn't it? You know, it's been interesting. We were chatting over dinner tonight about some of the points you're making in your book, Spirit Hermeneutics, who people sometimes hear God speak through the scriptures. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What we were along those lines, we mm -hmm. were talking about some of the dangers of that or some of the ways we need to keep the Bible connected to its original yeah. context. <laughs> yeah. When I was... Um, I mean, the first way I really learned, learned to hear God's voice was kind of the same as with the gift of prophecy, um, hearing his voice on my own as well as, you know, in, in a congregational setting. But uh, I felt like he, well, he, he told me to go to Bible college. <laughs> I went, even though I had to turn down a major scholarship, and I d didn't know how I was going to get the money to pay for it. The Lord did provide, um, but, you know, when you're, trial and error still learning that's kind of scary yeah and there was a professor there where uh, I heard some people criticize him they said he's too intellectual but I was so I was praying for him that God would you know make him more spiritual and the Holy Spirit stopped me and rebuked me and said you need to listen to him I've given him the gift of teaching so I signed up for three classes with him the next semester and he would be teaching things in his class uh, that he got from exegetical study of scripture. Mm -hmm. And it would be something the Holy Spirit had told me in prayer earlier in the same week. And I was like, okay, God, you speak this way too. Now, I had been filling my heart with scripture, my mind with scripture. I found if you read 40 chapters of the Bible a day, you can get through the New Testament every week or through the Bible every month. I told you he'd written a lot of books, people. is <laughs> <laughs> is another, yeah, special gift to the body, Craig. <laughs> we have different, yeah. different gifts. But anyway, um, that was to catch up because I'd been an atheist and I, I yes. needed to catch up. But learning that we could hear exegetically, well, that's, that's what I do now. I mean, I'm a... Um, a biblical scholar, that's, um, most of my books are about, about that, commentaries, helping us understand the Bible better, uh, began to start using cultural background and, and so on, to catch the, the original meaning. 
God can speak to us through anything. You know, he can speak to us through scripture out of context. He can speak to us through a bird or a poem or a tree. But that's not the canonical meaning of the text. You know, so the, the meaning of the text, the original meaning of the text, is what uh, sets the foundation for us hearing what God is saying in the text. I mean, it can, it can be an analogy that's very different from that, but the further you get from the text, what it actually says, what it actually, the principles that it actually communicates, the more danger you're in of... Yeah, so we're talking about the scenario when someone is looking for guidance and they go yeah. to the Bible and they open up and they pick out a verse... Randomly. And randomly, and there's a lot of elasticity in that, isn't there? Right. And, but the uncanny thing is that God does sometimes yeah. use that, and he does, he has with me a couple of mm -hmm. times. Um, but, it, it, but, you know, I remember I tell a story about how... God showed me a vision of Sydney and the place mm -hmm. that I would work. And then I was reading the Psalms and it said, I'm going to bring it past before your very mm -hmm. eyes. And he, it jumped out at me. And mm -hmm. it was um, it, similar to the meaning, I guess, in some respects of the text, but mm -hmm. very different contextually because mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. wasn't talking about Sydney <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And um, so God can do that. But yes. we have to be a bit careful when we yes. think that that's going to be changing the meaning of the text. Yeah. I mean, when, when God speaks to Jeremiah and he says, what do you see? I see a boiling pot. And then God mm. explains that. Or, mm. you know, so God can use other things to speak to us, but it's not the canonical meaning. So that, for example, when I was a young Christian and I was supposed to be translating Caesar for my Latin class. And on the way home, I was like, God, I, I, I'm a Christian now. All I want to do is study the Bible. So I flipped open the Bible, stuck my finger down, hoping it would say, forsake all and follow me. Instead, it said, render to Caesar. What is Caesar's? <laughs> well, okay, God spoke to me through that. But let's say I go around <laughs> so all the grand. churches and in all these churches I'm preaching, God showed me that the point of this text is yeah. you need to translate Caesar. Well, that's not the meaning of the text for, the, for all the church. That yes. was just something the Lord yeah. spoke to me through that. So you've got to be a little bit careful. You've got to you test to that careful. out as yes. well. I think that's, really, that's real wisdom. Um, Craig, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, which was fascinating to me, because I've got one of your books, the double volume of your book on miracles, and it's been on my reading list for a long time, and I can't wait to get into it. It's kind of... Very, very big. <laughs> but it's all about miracles. Mm. And I was fascinated with this, particularly as I've just been doing my own research on hearing God's voice and listening to all these miraculous stories mm. of life-changing moments in people's lives when they've heard God's voice. I wonder if you could just mention what you did with this project and what you found. Yeah, I, I, was, I was working on my commentary on Acts at the time and realised that if I'm going to show that Acts is historically reliable. I mean, it was easy on many counts. There's so much evidence for that. But one, one problem was that people who accept, you know, it's historical monograph, it matches historical data at all these other points, but it includes miracles. And they said, well, we don't believe in miracles. And so, what I wanted to do was to say, okay, whether you believe in miracles or not, at least you can believe these are eyewitness accounts, because we certainly do have eyewitness accounts of things just like this all over the world today. And I was I was looking for a book or two that would that would say that. 
uh, you know, just just give a whole list of these. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't find one yet at that point. So what I ended up doing was, you know, it was a footnote, but it got bigger and bigger. And after about 200 pages, I said it needs to be a separate book. And then it eventually grew to 1,100 pages and it would still be growing if the publisher hadn't brought it, it, it out when it they did. It started as a footnote. But, I mean, I've, I've interviewed people, including including uh, from from within my own family, uh, not not my, my non-religious family, but my wife's family, who have witnessed people being raised from the dead. And a number of these other things, I have medical documentation for a number of the, of the accounts, um, reports from doctors and, and so on, where God did, you know, the same kind of things that we read about in the Gospels and Acts. And so there's no reason for somebody to question the, the eyewitness credibility. And your data came from Asia as well, didn't it? And from, so you gathered data from yes. all different nations yeah. of the world. And verified data, how did you...? Well, there were different degrees of possible verification. Yes, Sometimes all they have is, you know, here's an eyewitness. The eyewitness, their veracity is uh, supported by some people I know or, uh, you know, th there are reasons, reasons Reasonable trust reasons, yeah. But then there were other cases where we actually had the medical documentation we had multiple independent eyewitnesses and so forth. So um, what, what it does at the very least is say eyewitnesses speak of these things, whether you want to call it a miracle or not, you know, whether you want to say that, you know, these 20 people or 50 people or whatever um, got, you know, they just happened to resuscitate when somebody was praying for them sure. after apparently not breathing for hours. Yeah. Um, but... We, we have those accounts. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a similar experience I had when I was talking to people about hearing God's voice. I, as I was listening, I was thinking, even if I was an atheist, even if I was a sceptic, you, you see the change from one mm -hmm. moment to the next. This mm -hmm. happened, mm -hmm. even if you can't explain it. So mm -hmm. what a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit that we have to know that what the God who walked the earth 2,000 years ago is still doing those things mm -hmm. today. So, With the Miracles book, I, I was um, I was working on the Acts commentary. I didn't know yet it was going to be four volumes, but I was working on the Acts commentary. The Miracles book hadn't come out of it yet, and we came under. Uh, how do I even talk about this? Uh, we came under a certain kind of spiritual attack for a couple days, and then on the third day, we were out for a walk. And we stopped under a tree that was about three stories tall. And we, uh, we were deciding which way to, to go then. And we, we stepped out from under the tree. And suddenly, the tree just split at the bottom. It didn't even uproot. It just split at the bottom and came crashing down right where we'd been standing. And you know, there were hundreds of trees in sight. Wow. That's the only tree I think I ever actually and witnessed it just falling. Split. It just split at the bottom and came crashing down right where we've been standing. We would have been killed. And uh, it, you know, very wide branches from the bottom yeah. up, so yeah. it would have, it, there was no way we could have avoided it. <clears throat> and we said, well, look what God protected us from. But one of my friends from Ethiopia uh, put me on a three-way call, so he was translating for a friend of his in Ethiopia who 
had a very good track record of hearing God's voice. And he started saying different things about my life that he didn't know. He didn't know that I wrote books, but he said, uh, Satan wanted to take you out because of this, and God protected you. And, and Satan was wanting to take you out because of two big books that you're writing, the second one bigger than the first. And I was like, I don't think that's possible because right now I'm working on Acts and I don't think I'm going to write anything bigger than this one. <laughs> turns out to be 4,500 pages. That's huge. Uh, four volumes. And I, I was kind of skeptical until my friend told me, yeah, this guy didn't know that you write, write books. But I couldn't make sense of it. A bigger, the second one bigger than the first. Now, prophecies have to be tested. This one seems mm -hmm. to be a little bit off. Mm -hmm. What I didn't know was that the Miracles book was going to come out of the Acts commentary. It was going to be 1,100 pages. And the second one, the Acts commentary, was bigger than the first. There you go. How, what a profound God conversation. <laughs> yes. Wow. And interesting that, that the book itself and you... Um, as the object of that would be the person that's under attack in that process. He obviously knows it's worth a lot in God's economy. Yeah. Mm. Although uh, one of my friends who's, um, uh, they were doing a book, a book review session of, of the Acts commentary, mm -hmm. and I, I told this story, and, and he said, well, maybe, maybe the tree wanted to take you out because uh, it knew... How many trees were going to be killed in producing this <laughs> big commentary? You know, take one for the group, you know. So anyway, there you go. There's another interpretation. <laughs> well, thank you for persevering with that X commentary and those miracles books. Craig, I want to thank you for your contribution to the church, particularly in this area of the Holy Spirit and bringing the New Testament so much to life. Um, thank you for the person. I've read many of your books, and I know that. Many students and pastors and leaders out there have done the same. I encourage you, if you're listening, check out Craig Keener. Any, if any of his books will be on Amazon or in your local Christian bookstore. But thank you again so much for joining us on the podcast. We've got conversations thanks today, Craig. And thank you too, Medine. Great to have you on the show today. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing on iTunes. Search for God Conversations with Tanya Harris and click subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review so others can learn to hear God's voice too. 